The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, myself, Tommy Dreamer, and Bully Ray talk all about AEW Dynamite. How about Adam Cole and MJF on a boat? And MJF and Jay White. What did we think? What do we think it's going to go to? We'll talk about it right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Last night, I thought that there was a possibility that Adam Cole, Bebe's broken ankle was a ruse. I and then Britt the Baker. Thing. Oh, you said the same thing? Yeah. See, fat minds sing alike. And then Britt Baker at about 9.30 last night raked my eyes, kicked me in the balls, and hit me with her finish when she tweeted that his injury was legit. Legit. <laughs> legit. <laughs> too legit. Too legit to quit. Uh, and she tweeted pictures, and uh, it looks pretty serious. It looks pretty legit. I, I'm not one to speculate. You know me. Um, but could that be part of the ruse? Dave, you are a very wise man because I said that also. Because AEW is really good at swerving. Yes. See that? We're about three minutes into the show, and I gave AEW a compliment. Yes, you did. It's feel good Thursday. It's a feel. It must be a feel. You know what, Tommy? It must be a feel good Thursday. Let's talk about the referees. <laughs> Well, interestingly enough, no knocks on the show last night, was there? No, I'm just joking with him. A uh, couple, but it's all good. No, no, I'm, I'm talking about the referee knocks wasn't on the show last night, oh. I don't think. Well, they had like a three-way. They had a four-way. So kind of the rules get thrown out the book on those yes. multi, you know, multi-man matches. So I, I didn't see anything that really stuck out to me. And it's not like I sit. That's the thing. Guys, I don't sit there and, like, put the referees under a microscope. The mistakes that are made with the refs are so glaring that they smack you in the face. But I didn't see anything le- last night that really bothered me. And, and Bully, again, when you would say that earlier, if you made it like a Texas Tornado tag match or a no DQ match or, like, a triple threat or a four-way, then you can throw the rules out the window anyway. So why not just announce those matches as such and then you wouldn't have such an issue. They seem to be doing that. At least they did that last night on Dynamite. 
And right off the bat, I'm going to give props to a match last night that many people probably wouldn't expect me to give props to, or maybe they're not giving props to it themselves. But as I said on Busted Open After Dark, I thought Willow Nightingale and Julia Hart did a good job last night. I, uh, and Tommy, I want to get your take on this as well. I thought the match was great. And I got to tell you this, I feel like AEW, and I know that a lot of people don't give compliments to the women's division of AEW as of late. AEW has done a masterful job of building up Julia Hart this year in 2023. I think she's like, what, 20 plus and oh right now. I think she has one of the best entrances in pro wrestling right now as well. So uh, compliments to the match, Tommy, and compliments to Julia Hart and how AEW has booked Julia Hart. Uh, agreed. I thought the match as well was uh, pretty damn good. Uh, her moonsault was very, very, it looked impactful as well as looking graceful. And uh, then she hooked on her little finisher thing that she does. But yeah, they have done a great job. Her entrance is good. She's got, you know, a, a lot of people just need more reps. Obviously, they're getting the reps and both women did excellent. You just talked about reps, Tommy. and. That came to mind watching the Austin gun match, the four-way match that Austin was in. Yeah, Austin is so damn good. I mean, he is every, every ounce of DNA, you know, B Billy Gunn. Um, from, from the obvious things, from the way he moves and talks, to the little things like his mannerisms when he goes for a cover. Uh, and that's that... that line about reps that you just mentioned is what came to mind last night. I'm like, how much better would Austin Gunn be right now if he was working five nights a week like we had the luxury of doing back in the day? And then I said to myself, well, shit, how, you know, how much better would this locker room be, period, if they had the luxury of working five nights a week? One of the biggest problems, not problem, one of the biggest hurdles I believe that AEW has in front of them every week is they just don't get to work enough. You know, you got talent out there that's working like once a week, sometimes once every other week. Sometimes you get guys and gals thrown out there that working once a month because they don't really run house shows. And as Tommy will tell you, any wrestler who knows this industry has been in this industry knows that's where you get better on house shows and live events. And then you get on TV and you and and you flourish because you've worked everything out. You know you, you know what you can do really well and what you not you don't do very well. And the beauty of our industry is if we're not really good at something, Dave, we don't have to do it. Mm. I used to be able to take a clothesline over over the top rope backwards. I shattered my ankle in '97 and now I can't do it anymore. Guess what move I don't do? Yeah. Clothesline over the top rope. Makes sense. Backwards. Makes sense. And and Tommy, I, I would I would think that, you know, those reps, I mean, maybe eventually more live events for AEW. Maybe they could have a performance center type of venue as well. Maybe that's something that could be in the cards in the future for AEW. Um, anything is possible. I mean, they got to. Like Bully said, getting the reps is important. A lot of times also you'd be 
put on a house show to work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then you'd find out you're either working with that person Monday or Tuesday at TV. So you want to have the best representation. So coming off of whatever to see if you gel, that's why you get in the ring. And then like Bully said, you also try to hammer out the best part of your match, the worst part of your match um, from live events. And then you usually got to condense it <laughs> for television. Yeah. But, you know, AEW does give us some longer matches. So could benefit. They just got to keep on momentum and giving us a quality show like they did last night. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a very good show last night, actually. I, I love the matches that we saw, but I also like the storytelling and the promos that we saw. This was, I would think, for AEW, a very talk-heavy episode of Dynamite. Bully, would you agree with that? I thought the, uh, the you... segment with MJF, Jay White, and Adam Cole was definitely talk-heavy. But a lot of the wrestling, the three-way stuck out to me. The four-way stuck out to me. Um, the women's match stuck out to me. But then I guess if you take a look at it, you know, you had the end the, the end of the night <clears throat> with Swerve and Hangman. Obviously, the MJF stuff. Uh, the Don Callis stuff. I Maybe I'd call it a mix. Yeah, and maybe a, a good balance of all of it. I love to sit down with Christian and Darby Allen with JR. Um, I just feel like we're getting more of a balance, but also, even though it's still a bit of a frantic pace, it's starting to slow down a little bit more as well. And again, storytelling, building building characters, building personalities. And I think, like, last night was a good go-home show for the pay-per-view this weekend. But, but Tommy, would you agree with Bully that last night's show seemed like it was a good balance between the wrestling and the mic work? Yes. Uh, I mean, I enjoyed it. I also enjoyed stories following stories. Like once Adam Cole made his announcement, brought the house down, they still had some kind of twists. As soon as they leave, here comes Jay White. And Jay White actually acknowledges what just happened, you know, or also also says like, hey, my my version of the Bullet Club's not going to be here. And then they have their really, really good uh, promo, it, a lot of connective tissue when you're watching a television show. I agree. And I, and I, you know, you talk about the matches. The first match I want to talk about is th that shot for the AEW International Championship between Nick Jackson, Brian Cage, and Claudio. And, Bully, I know you talk about this each and every time we talk about, you know, Claudio, his strength and his stamina. Um, I, sh I thought he showed that again last night in that match. I mean, he is just next level. And I can understand why the WWE didn't use him more because of maybe his personality and his mic skills. But when you look at his in-ring work and his strength and what he's able to do in the ring and the story he can tell in the ring, I thought that that match last night was a home run. Your thoughts? When it comes to muscular endurance, uh, Claudio is in the top two in the wrestling industry. The only other person that I have seen Claudio uh, be able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with strength to strength, strength for strength, muscular endurance-wise, is John Cena. And if you go back in the day and you watch those Claudio versus Cena matches, they're going 20-25 on TV and doing things deep into the match, like roll-through, high-cross-body Samoan drops. Dave... <clears throat> When you're, 
it's it's hard to explain this, but when you're deep into a match and you have exhausted yourself and your energy tanks are running low and you have to lift another man up the size of John Cena or Claudio safely, effectively, hit the move correctly. And when that move is somebody coming off the top rope into a high cross body and you catch them and then you roll through and you get up on your feet and now you have them in a pseudo body slam position and now you're able to pick them up over your head, put them on your shoulders and deliver a Samoan drop or a Death Valley driver. It is one of the most difficult things to do in a ring, especially if you're breathing heavy and those guys have such phenomenal muscular endurance, they train their muscles in and out of the ring to go, go and go some more and have plenty of gas left in the tank by the time they get to the end. It's kind of like, you know, the NFL combines when they have you bench 225. They don't care how much you can bench 500 pounds they want to know how many times you can bench 225 because that's going to tell them or give them a barometer of how strong you are how much muscular endurance you're going to have on the field are you going to have the same amount of gas in your tank when there's only two minutes left in the game as you did when you were two minutes into the game yeah I, I, you know and i think the proof is in the pudding when you look at claudio at the end of that match being able to pick up somebody like Brian Cage. Brian Cage's not a small man. And it's just and it's unbelievable and the way he does it, Tommy, it's 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 like it's the first 2 minutes of the match. Like Bully said, like his endurance, it's it's and his conditioning is second to none. Yeah, uh and everything that Bully said was a was an amazing breakdown. Yep. Uh and no matter how much a guy is trying to help another person, it's still it's your weight and picking people up off the mat like that, or even when people doing double moves or triple moves, there was another impressive uh, spot that I saw with um, Matt Jackson when he did the double suplex while he had Orange Cassidy uh, pinned, and I was just like, man, that that takes such great control and trust. Same with when you're that tired uh, with Claudio, and Brian Cage, it's a lot of trust of a person just literally picking you up and can drive you or drop you uh, because, you know, accidents happen. But with, with Claudio, uh, man, the guy is an in-ring general. And, you know, everything that you said is also true about, like, what the WWE, I guess, didn't see in him. But mm -hmm. that's okay because we're getting one of the best versions of Claudio we've ever seen. He's on television a lot. And he's getting a push. And it's what, you know, we all want to because he works hard. Dave, to put this in perspective, <clears throat> you know how how um, in high regard myself and Tommy hold a Billy Gunn. Yes. We always put Billy Gunn over to the moon, his athletic ability, everything about Billy Gunn. If Billy Gunn went 20 minutes with Claudio, Claudio's style and speed, Billy's tongue would be dragging off the mat. What do you think, Tommy? He'd be heavy to pick up. <laughs> he'd be breathing heavy, and he'd be very heavy to pick up because 
guys like Claudio and Cena and Kurt, especially Kurt, have a different gear than most of the, the, the guys and gals out there because of how they train outside of the ring the muscular endurance training they do outside of them. They're not training for size. They're not trying to pack on muscle. They're trying to define the muscle that they have already and make it strongest, the longest, which by the way, is the motto of the team 3D Academy. It's funny. We have a master's class that's dropping on Sunday about, AEW wrestlers that we feel may or may not be being used the right way and what their careers would look like if they could flourish in the WWE. That's a master's class that's dropping on Sunday. So make sure you check that out on the Busted Open podcast. And I know that one of the wrestlers we talk about is Brian Cage. Once again, I look at Brian Cage in that match and I and I ask myself why. Like I just look at Brian Cage, his size, his strength, what he's able to do in the ring, and I'm just like, somebody somebody must know something I don't know because I would feel like if I had a wrestling company, Brian Cage would be somewhere near the top of the card. But once again, great showing by Brian Cage, but not getting a victory. And it seems like that's a trend for Brian Cage since he's been in AEW. Tommy? Yeah, Um he was there. He was a key part of that match. He was there to help that match as well. I mean, that that's the best way. He's a good guy. He's a good baser. Mm-hmm. He's a good, you know, catcher. Um, there, there's a lot of, but WWE would also, I don't want to give away a lot of the master's class, but WWE would strip a lot of the stuff that got him to AEW. Um, it's just, it's, it's a hard tell. You know, it's it, it's a it's a way too much long conversation. Dave, uh, when 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 talents are very much into themselves and what they do, and believe that the way they're doing things is the absolute right way, sometimes they tune others out, and you have to really open your mind in this industry to suggestions in the if if brian cage was in the wwe i don't think it would would be about what he can do as as much as it would be about what he shouldn't do i think the double wwe would see how unique brian was wait tommy did was he there what did he go through developmental and he wasn't developmental yes and he did not have a good experience there uh can you elaborate? Like, what? no, he just, he, I'm just going from, uh, he did, uh, a perspective on fight and he was just like, it just wasn't a good fit for him. Not what, you know, he liked. Mm. Then he came to impact. Uh, he was doing great. Then he got hurt while he was a champion. And then, uh, he left, he went to AEW. You know, and Dave, he's been doing this a long time. When you experience a lot of freedom out there on the independent level, and then you try to come into the WWE at any level. And now all of a sudden there's rules. There's, you have to abide by certain guidelines. It it can be difficult to learn how to deal with. I know, and I've said this my entire career, ECW was the greatest company in the world and it was the worst company in the world. 
it was the greatest company in the world because look at what we did together. Look at what I, me and Devon were able to do individually. Paul never told us what to do. We could discuss things with Paul. We could argue with Paul. We could call Paul. We could yell in each other's faces. Everything was in the best interest of business. And I would think that anybody that was a part of that company would run through a wall for ECW, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. But being able to speak so freely and have such a line of communication with the boss isn't the reality of pro wrestling. So I know when I got to the WWE, I was ready to die on every single hill because I was brought up in the business in ECW that you could die on every single hill and it was never going to be held against you. So they would come to me and go, okay, Bubba, you guys got seven minutes for the match tonight. I'd be like, nah, I need nine. Well, you got seven. Yeah, but I need nine. Bubba, you have seven minutes for your match plus your entrances. Okay, Mr. Agent, you go back and you tell, tell whoever timed out the show that I need nine. I never thought that I was doing anything wrong or that I was being difficult because it's the same thing I did in ECW for five years. But what I did finally realized is this is not the right way to go about it. So I'm comparing me speaking with, with them, with Brian Cage, how they would try to curtail him with his athletic ability and all his high-flying stuff. I understand. And, and it's an interesting topic because as a fan, I wonder, because I see what he can do in the ring, and I'm wondering, and I scratch my head, and I say, why? And I, I love the explanation and the breakdown. Also from that match, Nick Jackson getting the win, and now he's going to face Ray Phoenix next week for that AEW International Championship. That makes That's an interesting one, because I didn't think it was going to be Nick Jackson. I always wonder what Nick Jackson would do as a singles performer, and I would think, Tommy, that that match next week is going to be lights out. Oh, yeah. And they've they've worked so much, you know, uh, already in tags. And they've had just insane type of matches. Uh, Nick is an excellent wrestler. Even like last night, I enjoyed, I say, Nick Jackson blows one hell of a comeback. And I really, really enjoy his comeback. You know, he's a baby face who's got fire. Those two guys will crush it. I, the build for it as well was as important. Why? Because they, a bunch of men fought for the right to fight for that title, which helped elevate that title because they really had really, really good matches. Yeah. Um, so I just want to ask you a question, Dave. You said you've always thought uh, what would happen with Nick Jackson if he was out on his own. Not Matt Jackson? I, I always preferred Nick Jackson. That's just Okay, me. so he was kind of like your Jeff Hardy. Yes. Okay. Now, I don't know if, if fans feel that same way, but I always wondered what that dynamic would be if they if they were able to go out on their own, if, if they were able to have success on their own. It's kind of like what we talk about with the Rock and Roll Express. I wonder if the, if the Rock and Roll Express at some point in their careers just ended and broke up. Would Ricky Morton have the type of career that we saw from a Shawn Michaels? Like, you know, before the breakup of the Rockers, you know, they were a great tag team. As a matter of fact, in the AWA, Marty Jannetty was pretty much the star 
of the Rockers, and then eventually Shawn Michaels took that role. But I, if but they broke up, and we saw what were each individual was able to do after the breakup. I wonder what would have happened with the Rock and Roll Express if there was a, a true breakup, and I wonder in a way what would happen to the Young Bucks if there was a true breakup, or if they took like just say a year off and see what they could do on their own. Fair enough. And I think Nick Jackson would really excel. And that's not taking anything away from his brother, but I look at Nick Jackson, I and I think that Nick Jackson could be a solo superstar. Is it because of his look, or is it just something that you can't put your finger on, and it's just... It's, it's something I really can't put my finger on, but every time I would watch the Young Bucks, I would be more probably geared towards watching a Nick Jackson. And you know what? What's interesting is you're not really a Young Bucks fan, so the answer you're giving is pretty genuine. Yes. Because you have no bias towards this team. No, and 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 you're right. Like I'm I don't hate on the Young Bucks, but I'm not like that style of wrestling is not something I gravitate towards. I just see something in Nick Jackson where I wish that just for a year they would break up, and I wonder how Nick Jack- It's the same way, Tommy, I thought about Ricky Morton. Remember, Ricky Morton had that series of matches with Ric Flair at the Great American Bash, and after watching that, it would be like, when he went back and started teaming with Robert Gibson again in the Rock and Roll Express, I almost was a little disappointed because I would have liked to have seen what Ricky Morton could have done on his own. Uh, I agree. And I think that was a very, very special time. Mm-hmm. I also did not understand why people, I mean, I get, if I remember timeline, Robert had gotten hurt. So Ricky was doing single stuff. Then Ricky was, I mean, the hottest guy out there as, you know, a, a legit contender to Ric Flair. They broke his nose, all that stuff. Um, I also don't know why tag team partners would have to split up for um like a singles push it's i like when they did it with kofi though kofi mania was running wild but he still always had his friends with him um with it, it's funny when you say that for me like if i if i was to break them apart i wouldn't break them apart hey we're brothers but nick i think would be a phenomenal baby face and i think matt would be a phenomenal heel This is former UFC champion Chris Weidman. Do you want to feel what it's like to get in the octagon with me? Right now, we are bringing the hardest-hitting MMA talk on the planet to your podcast feeds with Won't Back Down, a SiriusXM podcast. Every Monday, I'm speaking my mind and taking you inside combat sports like no one else. Every tap, every snap, and whatever else is on my mind. Download Won't Back Down right now on SiriusXM, Stitcher, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Won't Back Down. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, 
They'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. One of the things I love about Dynamite each and every Wednesday night, Tommy, is Adam Cole and MJF. Another home run, I thought. A little bit of a throwback to the Sopranos as well with Tony and Paulie on the boat. Uh, really good stuff last night between those two. Uh, I agreed. I enjoyed the whole segment. I enjoyed the uh, Captain Insano to end it. Uh, entertaining. Every time you think you're going to see something, they kind of like, bring you in on the joke uh enjoy that followed by a really really good in-ring and you hear how upset the fans are yep and then you know and and this is a pro wrestler brain because we're you know we're we talked about this we're literally sitting there is this real is he really hurt is he really you know for them not stripping the titles is this going to be something? Um, so you never know which way it could go. Uh, I wish it isn't real because Adam Cole getting hurt again with that injury. That's if, you know, it's going to be a long recovery and, you know, he had a long recovery from his concussion and this is going to be another major setback. Uh, will he come back? Sure. But it's just it sucks when any wrestler gets hurt is going to take some time off because they're doing such great business uh, back then. Then the tail end of that, they leave with Roddy, Taven and Bennett. Here comes Jay White and the two of them were spitting some fire. And if you want to talk about how different of a character MJF is, I mean, telling his pores and their people are <laughs> celebrating that they're his that pores, pores. <laughs> you know and they know all his catchphrases and and all that stuff which is really really cool and great for mjf um but those two guys went at it uh, i'm a big jay white fan and you know mjf spitting his facts jay white spitting his facts could be an interesting interesting matchup uh down the line uh bully what did you think uh, again, uh, first off, the you know just the hilarity on the boat between MJF and Adam Cole. Captain Insano shows no mercy. <laughs> um, it was highly entertaining. Uh, I even hit a little plug last night on After Dark for the interview that you did with Big Show that is up on uh, the podcasts, right? Yes. I think one of the first things that you said, I know to me was how entertaining Big Show was in that interview and how much fun he was and how you were laughing so much. Show has always been extremely entertaining. He's very funny. He's he's a bit of a wise ass. He's quick-witted. And he one of the things that he learned in the WWE is it's okay to be the punchline. It's okay to be the butt of the joke. Last night, there's a, you know, one of the biggest professional wrestlers in our industry or the the biggest man still in our industry, you know, floating around in a in a rubber ducky float while he's in his Captain Insano outfit. And to, for me, it got the biggest reaction out of me for the entire night. Nothing elicited more of a response from me than seeing show 
as Captain Insano in a rubber ducky raft. <laughs> and I don't care why I'm popping. All I know is that I'm popping. And then I picked up my phone and I went thermonuclear pop. So good stuff. The the only the only part of that promo that I thought was a little weird is like that's MJF. He's on a boat. Uh, you know, I see Max pull up in Ferraris and Lamborghinis. I thought he would have been on a bigger boat, you know, or something a little more opulent. And then when Adam Cole is questioning it, he goes, yeah, man, it's my dad's boat. I guess part of the charm in that moment is that Max and Adam Cole stole Max's dad's boat. Yeah. And I think we can all kind of relate to stealing dad's car. Yeah. You know, when we were, you know, kind of when we were kids. So um, it, it, it's really not a big deal, but it, it all, all good stuff. From I think it actually two. might be a Friedman boat, but uh, but yeah. Have you ever been on a Friedman boat? <laughs> but that was a um, that was I, I I again. Could you imagine being stuck on that boat with Nina? Oh, I love Nina Friedman. Ugh, you're not a fan, right? She spins a good yarn. She spins a good yarn. What does that even mean? Yeah, she t- she's a great storyteller. Oh, great, okay. com- great conversationalist. Okay, I I'm big fan of both Stephen and Nina Freeman. So of course ne- you are. You'll never hear MJF's me. MJF's your meal ticket. <laughs> I thought it was Cody, but either one. I got one for each company. Both of them. Yeah, I got one for each company. Um, but but I loved it. And then what Tommy said, I think, is an interesting one. You never want you never want to see anyone get hurt. And we hope Adam Cole's okay, and we hope that he comes back soon. But we talked about this a lot, Bully, Jay White. And, you know, here's a guy that main evented Wrestle Kingdoms. Um, we're yeah, all- so did Nakamura. Yeah, but that's a, that's a separate discussion for another day. I've been waiting for Jay White to get this opportunity. I'm excited about it. Like you, Tommy, I love the back and forth between Jay White and MJF in the ring last night, and I'm really looking forward to their match. Like, this is where Jay White should be at the top of the card in the main event scene. Agreed. Um, When he came in there, kind of an eh, but, you know, he's continued to work his ass off, and now I hopefully get to see that Jay White. I'm a big fan of, of Jay a uh, big fan of his work. Same with MJF. It's an interesting dynamic. And then, you know, here's the other part of it. The end end of AEW with this cliffhanger. Uh, we have seen MJF before in that mask. Um, I do not think it's MJF that's going to jump Jay White, even though he did say, like, hey, you don't know what I'm capable of. Yeah. Because then we got to think of who the other four guys are that are with. If it was MJF, there, there's a lot of speculation who that person is under the mask that looked uh, directly into the camera and they're thugs. There's a lot of places you can think. That's what also led me to, is this Adam Cole under this mask? And he's not hurt. Um the internet started thinking it was Edge, which I don't think it is. But there, there's a lot of places you can go. I think it's Mustafa Ali. Retribution getting back together in AEW? Told you it was going to play out. You had to be patient. Long-term Retrib- storytelling. Ret- Retribution is all elite. 
for another company by design. Um, uh, the promo, the thumbs up and the thumbs down of the in-ring with Jay White and MJF. The thumbs down part of it was I thought it went a bit long. They were definitely in there for a while yapping back and forth. And I don't know if necessarily Jay White has the chops to do that with Max. Because at any given moment, Max could have ate Jay White's lunch. Interesting. So, Bully, watching that segment, do you think MJF held back a little bit? Yes. And he held back for business reasons. Because MJF is smart enough to know whether he knew before they got in the ring or felt it the minute they were out there. MJF knows that at he could just turn, you know, Jay White into chop meat verbally. You know, Enzo with that whole Skywalker smack talker thing, that's the same thing as, as MJF. And MJF can do it off the top of his head. Yep. And Jay White cannot truly hang with Max on the microphone, but Max was smart enough at the end of the promo to lay out. He let Jay White get his licks in. He let Jay White verbally get up on him. So I always talk about they only remember the finish. Despite the promo going long and was a bit wordy at times, I remembered Jay White's finish last night in the promo, and it was really strong. So great job by Jay White finishing it off strong. Great job by MJF laying out and letting him get his shots in. Yeah, and 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 Tommy, I thought it was a really good segment. I agree with Bully that maybe it went on a little too long, but but I thought it was really good. I thought Jay White excelled, and I'm looking forward to the future between those two. Agreed, and I liked Jay's comparisons of himself to MJF because if you think about it, MJF was really insulting him about saying like how he became this manufactured person. Um, but all the the nicknames, cliches, all the things that MJF says about himself, Jay compared it to. Well, I'm the Switchblade. You're the this. A lot of good stuff. And to Bully's point why he laid out it's because he was allowing Jay to get Jay's heat as well as to get Jay's credibility because what does that help do build it for a bigger match it's as important psychology wise as it is for having a great match verbal battles we once you say promo oh Ric Flair oh Dusty Rhodes when you have these great talkers and storytellers uh, it's a whole, it's a whole, whole next level to get talking interest into a match. And hey, they got me sold, and then I saw the end of it. Yeah. Um. There, there's not a lot of people. MJF again is an anomaly because of how he treats his fans, but his fans like to be treated that way. It, it's, it, it's insane to hear like i hear the things that he says and it's everything against what you're supposed to say but he says it and the fans love him for it so kudos to you because you carved out your own niche of insulting your fan base that loves you it's it's next level it's like a uh 
old school comic that you go just to get roasted on the show. And He's it's so good. Yeah, and it, it's also the way they're using Roderick Strong. Like, Bully, you know, we've had this discussion about Roderick Strong as being, you know, a great wrestler. But we never really got to see character and personality out of Roderick Strong. We're finally seeing that now with this story with MJF and Adam Cole. Yes, we're seeing some range from Roderick because after 20 to 25 years of trying to get over in the middle of the ring, it's only gotten him so far. Mm. So now he's playing the whiny bitch part of the best friend, you know, always reminding him, but we're best friends, but we're best friends. What about me? Why are you friends with Max? And we got the kingdom guys or whatever their name now, the Taven unit, you know, rallying around Roddy. And then, you know, if Roddy has to get in the ring, you know, miraculously the neck brace comes off. So more range from Roderick, hopefully something will catch on. But when I see a situation like this, I say to myself, Roderick strong will only be kept as strong as this story and angle will allow him. Once this is all over and he has to go out on his own, what are we going to get from him? True. I don't know. But at least what we're seeing right now, I'm liking. Uh, Tommy mentioned the devil mask. Who do you think's behind that devil mask, Bully? Mustafa Ali. He really do. No. Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, Please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.